Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. gives a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. In today's message, Pastor J.D. tackles the current and difficult topic of late-term abortions. This is a sensitive subject, but one that needs to be addressed in the light of God's love and truth. Pastor J.D. will share personal experiences along with biblical passages that he hopes will help you navigate this topic. In it all, he reveals God's heart toward his beloved children. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on February 17th, 2017. We're going to do something a little bit different for today's update. We usually focus our attention on Israel and the Middle East as it relates to Bible prophecy and current events. But today we're going to actually talk about a very important matter. A couple of weeks ago I mentioned that I would covet your prayers concerning the new law that had been passed in New York legalizing abortion up to the day of the baby's birth. Please know that this is something I don't want to talk about, but I do know that the Lord would have me to talk about. I want to take a different approach to what is arguably a very difficult issue. And I want to, in so doing, address the why behind the what. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Perhaps you've heard it said that we as Christians need to not only know what we believe, but why we believe what we believe. And doubtless you know that, for the most part here in America, Christians rightly believe that abortion is sin, whether it's late term or not. What you may not know is that even pro-choice Americans who support abortion oppose late-term abortion. Just this last Wednesday, the Christian Post published a report about how, according to a recent poll, most, most pro-choice Americans oppose late-term abortion. Here's a quote from the Post. Around two-thirds of Americans who identify as pro-choice oppose third trimester abortions. According to an announcement released Tuesday, the survey found that 68% of pro-choice Americans oppose abortion on the day before a baby is born. 
66%, again, pro-choice, oppose abortion in the third trimester, and 77% oppose ending medical care for a viable baby, which is unthinkable that we would even be talking about something like that in our day. So it seems that the majority of people, whether they're Christians or not, believe that late-term abortion is wrong. The problem is the majority of people, Christians included, do not know why abortion in any form is not only wrong, but an abomination. You'll forgive the bluntness with which I say this, but the ancient practice of child sacrifices to false gods has been repackaged as modern-day abortion. If you'll bear with me, I would like to explain from God's Word why and how this is. The worship of Molech, the statue of this false god with arms stretched out and a fire within. This is, by the way, where we get that expression, fire in the belly. So because they didn't have the medical procedures that we have today, they would have to wait for the baby to be born. And then when that baby was born... By the way, because of rampant sexual immorality, these babies were unplanned, unwanted, so they would get rid of them this way. They would take that baby, they would place it on the arms of this Molech statue, and that baby would be burned alive by the fire in the belly. And you'll forgive the graphic nature of this, but in some ways it has to be. So now instead of burning that baby with a fire in the belly, they're burning that baby with the saline in the belly of the mother. You know what they believed then? Just let's if you're able, in as much as you're able, let's kind of put ourselves there in that culture, okay? Sexual sin is rampant. You have all of these pregnancies, and now what are you going to do? This is an inconvenient time. (laughs) Can't afford to have a baby. I can't have anyone knowing about this baby. I got to get rid of this baby. So they actually believed that Molech would grant them future fertility and even prosperity. That's what they believed. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 21. God declares to the Israelites, his people, do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech For you must not profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Leviticus 20, verses 1 through 5. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, Any Israelite 
or any foreigner residing in Israel who sacrifices any of his children to Molech is to be put to death. The members of the community are to stone him. I myself will set my face against him and will cut him off from his people. For by sacrificing his children to Molech, he has defiled my sanctuary and profaned my holy name. Listen to this. If the members of the community close their eyes when that man sacrifices one of his children to Molech, and if they fail to put him to death, I myself will set my face against him and his family and will cut them off from their people together with all who follow him in prostituting themselves to Molech. So now this begs the question, did the Israelites obey this command? Sadly, they did not. Shockingly, it was under the reign of King Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 6 through 8. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon, And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burnt incense and sacrificed to their gods. This brings me to the aforementioned question of why. Why abortion of any kind is a sin and an abomination in the eyes of the Lord. And this is one of those life-changing truths that can really change everything. In particular, the way that we see a just and righteous God in his judgments, in obeying or disobeying his commandments. Sin is not bad because it's forbidden, Sin is forbidden because it's bad. Let me say it this way. Sin is not forbidden because God said so. I forbid it. That's not why. This is why. And it's the answer to the why. God says, thou shalt not. Why? Because it's bad. It will harm you. It will hurt you. And I love you so much. I cannot stand to see you suffer needlessly the consequences for that sin. I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to spare you of all of the consequences, and perhaps more importantly, the judgment that will always ensue. Now let me hasten to say that I am keenly aware that there may be some of you who have abortion as part of your past. 
And I want to say to you, and please listen very carefully, God forgives you. He has forgiveness for you. It is not the unforgivable sin. We're going to talk about the unforgivable sin here in a moment. God loves you. He loves you so much that he doesn't want for you to suffer the consequences emotionally, mentally, and especially spiritually. Time doesn't permit me to get into all of the physiological consequences associated with a woman having an abortion. Even the mental consequences. What I do, though, sense that the Lord would have me take just a little bit of time and do is share my own personal experience when we found out our daughter Noel would be born with what is known as trisomy 18. Trisomy 18 is a third copy of the 18 chromosome. It's known as Edwards syndrome. Trisomy 18, unlike trisomy 21, which is Down syndrome, is, according to the medical community, incompatible with life. In other words, you can survive having a third copy of the 21 chromosome, but you cannot survive having a copy of the third copy of the number 18 chromosome in every cell of your body, which our daughter Noelle had. She had full trisomy 18. Every cell of her body had this anomaly of a third copy of the 18 chromosome. We found out in the eighth month of pregnancy, and we had never heard of trisomy 18. And the reason that we had never heard of trisomy 18 is because trisomy 18 babies are usually aborted before they're born. The medical community did discuss with us a late-term termination of the pregnancy. And they did tell us that there was a 50% chance that our daughter would be born alive. And if she survived the birth, there was only a 10% chance that she would make it to her first birthday. So our birth plan was actually a funeral plan. We didn't know when, we just knew that she would not live. I have to confess, I have to be very honest, I actually, in especially that ninth month of pregnancy, prayed that God would take our baby in the womb, from the womb. Because I just could not (laughs) bear the thought of having her be born, take her home, bond with her, love on her, hold her, and then have her die in my arms. The Lord did not answer that prayer, and I am so glad that he didn't, and I'll explain why. Here's what's really sad. It's not just Edwards syndrome, trisomy 18 babies that are aborted. It is 
Down syndrome, trisomy 21 babies that are aborted as well. Back in August of 2017, CBS did a story on Iceland where, since prenatal screening tests were introduced there in the early 2000s, the vast majority of women, get this, close to 100%, who received a positive test for Down syndrome terminated their pregnancy. Here's why I share all of this. Those mothers, and even fathers, were robbed of what could have been the life-changing experience of parenting a special needs child. One of the things that God really revealed to me when Noel died at four months of age was that had he come to me and said to me, I have a beautiful, precious baby girl that I want to find a mother and father for, to give birth to and to have but only for a short time. It will be the most painful experience in your life, and it was. But can I choose you? Can I entrust her with you? And here I am all these years later, and I cannot imagine my life having not had my daughter for the short period of time that I had her. You know what's interesting to me, particularly about Down syndrome children, and I would venture to say that most all of you know somebody that has a Down syndrome child. Are they not the most precious and loving children? There's such an innocence about them. There's no hatred in them. They're just so precious and childlike. And that mother and that father were robbed of that. You know, I think of what Jesus said. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give life and life more abundantly. Choose life. Choose life. Yes, it may be a difficult challenge parenting a special needs child, but those children are a gift from the Lord and a blessing from the Lord. I realize I'm turning an abrupt corner here, but I would be grossly remiss were I not to speak to the coming judgment of God in this regard, and not in the way that you might think. While there is a need to emphasize God's judgment for this abomination, that emphasis only deals with the what. By that I mean God's judgment is what is coming. But it's important to also emphasize why the judgment of God must come. God has to judge. If God is not just in judging, then neither is he a God of love. What do you mean? Well, that's not love, is it? That's injustice. If the judge of the universe does not judge wickedness and sin, 
He's not just. He has to because he's a God of love. I'll try to, and I, please know I really prayed and asked God to just give me a clarity so that I could communicate this correctly and concisely. God has to judge those who have rejected God sacrificing his only begotten son who took upon himself the judgment of man's sin. By the way, for those who wonder and even ask if you've committed the unforgivable sin, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, I want to put your minds at ease. By virtue of the fact that you're even wondering that and asking that means that you haven't done that. And the reason for that is because the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is rejecting Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. When you reject the one, his only begotten son, who took upon himself your judgment, your judgment for you and instead of you, when you reject him, you place yourself under the judgment of God. God must judge. Which judgment seat? will you stand before? The great white throne judgment or the judgment seat of Christ? The answer to all of this is we will be judged based on what we did with the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what Acts 17.31 says. For he has set a day, judgment day, when he will judge the world with justice. Listen, by the man, Jesus, he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. I think we do err greatly when we paint the judgment of God on the canvas of God being an angry God who cannot wait to judge. A number of years ago, saw a bumper sticker. I'll have to change the wording because I don't want to use the word from the pulpit, but basically went like this. Jesus is coming back and boy, is he ticked. No, he's not. No, he's not. Not with us. Here's why. God took all of his wrath, the judgment for man's sin, all of his anger, all of his condemnation, and he put it on his son. By the way, that's why Jesus cried out on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He had never known the separation that sin brings between man and God because he took upon himself that sin. Are you ready? If not, you need to be ready because our redemption draws nigh. This is what Jesus said about seeing these prophecies begin to come to pass in Luke chapter 21, verse 28. 
This verse speaks directly to the heart of the prophecy update that Pastor J.D. shares each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth. The goal for each prophecy update is twofold. First, to equip you with information you need to live in these exciting last days. Second, to encourage you in your faith in the Creator of the universe. Every word in the Holy Bible is 100% true. We're seeing that fact being proven each and every day. We pray that you have been both blessed and challenged by today's Prophecy Update. And we do hope you join us again for tomorrow's conclusion to this Prophecy Update from Pastor J.D. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of today's broadcast, you can become a Facebook friend with us by logging on to www.inspiritandtruthradio.com. We've provided a link to our Facebook page. Another great option to stay current with Pastor J.D.'s Prophecy Updates is to subscribe to the Aloha Bible Prophecy Update YouTube channel. The Prophecy Update YouTube channel has all the current updates that Pastor J.D. has shared as well as an archive of past updates. Again, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and follow the link to the Prophecy Update YouTube channel. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Please join us tomorrow as Pastor J.D. concludes this prophecy update. That's next time on In Spirit and Truth.